no matter how painful anything it is that we're going through or our parents or anything, like we still have to face it because otherwise we're just putting a Band-Aid on it. And if that Band-Aid comes off, then that wound is still there. Why not, you know, actually put in the work to actually heal? You gotta, you might not know exactly what your problem is, but you know that, you know, it's something missing in my life right now. Hi everyone, my name is Inherit George Carey and you're listening to Daddy Issues, a podcast dedicated to confronting fatherlessness, but more specifically, fatherlessness and successful people. I want this podcast to prove that regardless of whatever daddy issues you may possess, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Fatherlessness affects so very many of us, and so it's time to start listening to each other's stories and opening up this topic as one that needs to be recognized, heard, and confronted. In today's episode, I am talking to Nellie Davis. Nellie is an author, an internationally renowned lifestyle and fitness guru, a change maker, a prevailer, but it wasn't easy for him to get to where he is. When he was 10 years old, Nellie's father brutally murdered his mother. Nellie would give his testimony in the murder trial that would send his father to prison for the rest of his life. By 18, Nellie was in college where he sold marijuana to his friends for extra cash. That hustle turned into a $40,000 a week profit business. My goodness. Although it was the first brush with the law when he was arrested, Nelly was sent to prison for four years. While incarcerated, he unexpectedly bumps into his father face to face for the first time since he testified against him aged 10. Nelly's encounter with his father was the closure he didn't even know he needed. Since then, Nelly has gone on to become a radio advertising executive, a music and fashion director for the hashtag number one music selling magazine on newsstands in America, a comedian, a screenplay writer and an author of a book based on his journey of transformation. Nellie's desire is to help others find their best self, particularly victims of emotional trauma and domestic violence. And it was this driving force in him that created his brand, NFIT Life a fitness lifestyle brand with clients in Qatar, Australia, London, Europe, Los Angeles, New York, and his home in Miami. Nelly believes life transformations can happen as many times as our imagination will create it. And he will soon share his journey with the whole world in his memoir, Dream Awake. Oh, goodness. Nelly, welcome to Daddy Issues, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, after that long read, I don't think you need me anymore. <laughs> I know. It's all done. <laughs> so normally, I don't actually say anything about my guest version of fatherlessness in the introduction, but I thought in this case it had to be done as there was just so much. There is so much that I want to cover, and so we only have 45 minutes. Okay, so cool. getting that summary out, I think, means that we can launch straight in. Let's do it. Your story, oh my goodness, is just, I mean, I know, I know the sort of outline of it, but what I like to do usually in my podcast is just take me back to the very beginning of your whole story. And I mean, yeah, where did you grow up? Take me there. Wow. 
Um, so yeah, grew up in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, that's somewhere in the United States. Mm-hmm. You no, know? no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but no, I grew up in Philadelphia uh, to a young mother, mother and a young father. My mom was 15 when she had me. My dad was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fell in love and started a very toxic and abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple months later, I was uh, uh, my mom got pregnant with me. And actually, at the time, my father was incarcerated when I was born. He was incarcerated. Wow. Um, I was supposed to be a junior. His name is Danny, Daniel Williams. And I was supposed to be Daniel Williams as well. Um, But my grandmother said, you don't you don't know if you're going to be with that guy forever. And so my mom was like, "Okay." so uh, she named she said, don't name him after him. So she named me Darnell. And um, my father didn't find out until one day when they were on the phone when he called collect from prison mm-hmm. and she let like, your mother yes yeah and he's like uh, she's like darnell don't do that and he's like who's darnell <laughs> <laughs> really yeah and then uh so when your father first went into prison what was his offense um well my, pro- my my father was uh he he was always in trouble with the law i think it might have been robbery at the time right. or something like this but he was he was in a gang or something and you were up. sort of naught years old at this point i wasn't even born when right. he, when he was arrested so when you were born he was in prison. He was in prison. I see. But it wasn't a long stint. It was like a couple months. He got out, I think, when I was like, you know, seven or eight months. Oh, okay. But I went to go visit him right. uh, as a baby. Yeah. Um, I saw the pictures. And do you... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the memory hadn't quite kicked in by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that day. Yeah, exactly. Nah. Um, and do you have any memories of your father when you were growing up? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm the oldest of three. Um, so... Uh, I don't know if I should delve right into what happened when I was 10. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, he was in and out of trouble a lot, but uh, I had a really young uh, and cool mom and dad yeah. when they weren't fighting. Yeah. Um, so we, he was a good dad to you? Um, it, You know, from what I knew to be a good father. Right. You know, growing up, I'm like, no, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. James' dad did this. No, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, when they weren't fighting, yeah, I loved him. I loved him. He was my hero. So what was, can you give us a, an example or a story that you remember, a memory? Um, he used to play softball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was on the softball team, and I would be able to go out there and see my dad hit home runs. And, you know, like I said, he was my hero. Mm. Um, he would. Uh, he was a barber as well, so he cut hair at the local barber shop. And I was able to work right beside him, you know, from seven years old, sweeping up hair at the barber shop. Yeah. Making 15 bucks a week. Uh, so, um, yeah, he, you know, like I said, we had a lot of fun times cause he was so young. So, yeah. Yeah. Of course. So fun. Cause so he was what age when you were tw- in his early twenties? Yeah. Yeah. When I was, yeah, he, he had me when I, he was 16 when I, when he had me. So yeah, when I was uh, sweeping hair, he was about 22, 23. Yeah. And what, do you have any memories of what your mom was like? Oh, she was the life of the party. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, I was just telling somebody this yesterday. Uh, my mom was about five, six, five, seven. Mm. Uh, after three kids, a phenomenal body. But she was only 25 <laughs> when she love passed that. away. But she, I mean, <laughs> I look at pictures. Was, most moms would just love to hear their child. Yo, yo I mean, I look at pictures of her and I'm like, wow, my mom was hot. Like, if I saw her on the yeah, street, yeah. I'd definitely be hollering. <laughs> yeah, what's up, baby? Um, but yeah, so she, and she was really, really funny. Um, she's an Aquarius. Uh, so she's like a walking heart. Yeah, yeah. And um, but don't mess with her family. Right. Like my mommy, my Tiger mom, mama. Yeah, she had a she had a she was the oldest of three as well. Uh, actually four. 
And um, she protected her family, like, you know, yeah, mama yeah. bear. You right. Know, you, she, she was the nicest person in the world. Everybody loved her. Yeah. Um, until you messed with her family. Right. You know? Speaking of that, and the little I know about your parents' relationship, which was violent mm -hmm. in many respects, mm -hmm. and your dad used to hit your mom? Yes. Uh, it yeah. wasn't just hit. It, it was full-blown fights. Right. Like, like she was a man on the street. And would she... Fight back? Fight back? Absolutely. Right. Okay. Tough so it was woman. just equally violent yeah it was it was a fight he just won every time right. he was like because he's a man and, yeah he was 50 <laughs> and 0 you know? yeah um what did your dad because i was just thinking in terms of if you have violent like if your dad is violent to your mother sometimes the father maybe if i'm generalizing here but can turn on the kids was Absolutely. that ever something that happened and what happened if he did that what would she do because she was so protective of you um it wasn't anything she could do. Right. That was discipline. Right. Uh, and that's how it is a lot of times in black families. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like these days, if, if you yell at your kid too much, you can be in trouble for yeah, abuse. Course. But, you know, I got beat with a belt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of times my father, it wouldn't be a belt. You know, it would just be a fist or yeah. a slap. Or, yeah. um, and it was usually these temper, you know, these moments of rage where yeah. he just lost his temper uh, and that's the same way, you know, my mom would, you know, be abused. So for the most part, my mom was my disciplinarian, mm -hmm. but, you know, my dad would lose it sometimes or right. if I jumped in a fight, you was know. She, I mean? yeah, was she more a vocal disciplinarian? No, she whipped my butt. She whipped my butt. Oh, she whipped my butt <laughs> as well. Like, you know, we were raised, like, <laughs> if you do something wrong. And I was a class clown growing up. So right, the right. teachers were constantly calling the house. Yeah. Um, You know, he did this. He did, he couldn't keep his pants up in class today or whatever, whatever. And I got a beating. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, would you say that you were domestically abused? Um, no. Uh, so far as the beatings that I got, I feel like they were all justified. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, it was I, part of the culture you were yeah, in. Yeah, the culture I was yeah, in. Like yeah. you, you do something wrong, you uh, get you're going to get, you're going to get punished for yeah. it. My mom would say stuff sometimes like, uh, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm like, yeah, right. Give me, <laughs> give me the belt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give me the belt. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the domestic violence between your parents. Um, it like it was always there since the first you know since I since any memories I have of mom and dad, um, and he just would lose his temper. He was very jealous. She was a person that stood out in the room. You know, as soon as she walked in the room, everybody noticed her. Right. So she was he, light. Yes, she was light, and everybody saw it. And um, he knew that, and it enraged him at times. Really? Why do you think that it enraged enraged him rather than made him proud? Control. Right control like when you see that everybody in the room you know loves this person that you feel like you own right yeah you know it's, it's like an why why are you you know making them look at you like this right um and then his his family wasn't uh wasn't you know uh, much of a help either because yeah. they would instigate things right um and i as a kid i would overhear these arguments yeah. and these fights and i would be there and i knew my mom didn't do anything and you know and i would hear her. the fights would usually start her you know de defending herself no 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 and then boom right and they were trivial trivial things that were coming yeah, yeah. out so your dad was the often the instigator of this stuff of the violence absolutely if not him is his family okay because i was going to ask because we will obviously come to very soon what happened between your dad and your mom that completely changed your life. Mm -hmm. But what was your dad's past and history in a sort of, not to dwell on it too long, but just to find out why he was violent, why? Uh, yeah, I found out, um, one, he was abused, um, right. sexually abused yeah. um, as a child. 
and then he lost his father, mm-hmm. uh, and then his mother remarried, and mm-hmm. he was the youngest. Um, it's a lot of factors. When I was writing a book that I had to... Dream know, Awake. Yeah. yeah. When I Coming was ra- soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was writing Dream Awake, I had to... Uh, my excuse, my agent and my publishers, they were like, you know, we want to know more about the father. Yeah. Um, so then I had to, like, start asking questions to my family and then his family mm. to really understand... What did it feel like to learn that, which you obviously didn't know, because it's your normality that you're growing up in this incredibly violent, but also loving sort of atmosphere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then to find out when you get older that that's not necessarily the most uh, functional uh, way to be brought up, but then also to find out why that is. What did that feel like learning about your dad's past and who he was? Um, it just gave me, you know, uh, more reason to have empathy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, when when I look back on my, my life and everything that happened, it was a lot of anger. Mm. You know, it was a lot of pain. It was a lot of anger. And the only thing that can replace that is understanding and love. Yeah. So I, it was good for me to, you know, really understand who yeah. he was. Yes. And what he was going through because we, everybody, like, it, we all have this story. We all have a story. And there's always context to someone's reaction exactly it doesn't necessarily mean justify it it doesn't justify it exactly um so now let's go to the day where your dad murdered your mum so take me to wherever um it's it's, it was crazy because like i said i grew up in a very disciplined household yeah uh so with that said like it was never a conversation when rules were laid down yeah um this is what's happening you don't have any say about it that's it. Okay. Um, but the night before my mother um, was murdered, she called me into her room to tell me that she was divorcing my father. She had already had a restraining order against him for, uh, I think, a couple months at that time. So okay. he was able to see us, you know, a um, hundred feet away from the house or whatever, whatever. Right. Oh, so he's not living with you at this point? No, he's not living with us. Yeah. He, he, was, he had just uh, been arrested and released uh, for rape, actually. Gosh, okay. He had a girl in the house uh, when we were at my great-grandmother's funeral, my mom's grandmother. Okay. And um, him and a girl were uh, doing drugs, and he didn't give her any. They, they were supposed to do drugs in our right. house. And he didn't give her any. He went downstairs with his friend, and they got high, and then he came back upstairs to you know, have sex with her, and then she's like, okay, where are the drugs? And yeah. he's like, oh, I don't have any more. So she ran home, caught rape, and right, okay. her brother is a big thing. But anyway, my dad was arrested, Gosh. and then they found out that he didn't really rape her, so they let him out. But when those charges were filed, my mother was like, okay, 10 yeah. years of abuse, now you're, you know, that was the final straw. It's the final straw. She was done. Yeah. Uh, and she sent restraining order while he was in prison. So when he got out, you know, he was like, distraught you know i really want to change my life whatever whatever. he tried to be a great father and he was for like these couple weeks before my mother was murdered yeah but she was just hardcore it's not happening stay away from me yeah she'd found some sort of power yes 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 and she was getting back into religion and she was looking for a new job like her life was completely 360 right uh and then um and then uh one morning um oh yeah so she told me she was divorcing him and i was pissed Right. You know, and she and she yeah. allowed me to express this, which was a shock Gosh, to me because yeah. it's like, she's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, did she really just say that? Like, yeah. I can tell her what I think. And uh, and it's I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, I think you're crazy. You know, why yeah. would you ruin our family? Right. You know, I grew up with so many kids in divided households, like a mother over here and a father over there. Yeah. And I was I was a cool kid because at 10 years old, I had a 25-year-old mom and a 26-year-old dad, even yeah, though it was yeah. toxic as hell. They were both home. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it was... And at was, that time, that was more important 
to you then the toxic relationship exactly yeah mom and dad are home these are yeah. my parents they're yeah. cute they're young they're hip <laughs> yeah let me keep this facade going mom yeah, don't yeah. mess this up and for you as well they were even though obviously you were very strongly disciplined but they were good parents to you absolutely right yeah uh, if listen if i didn't if i didn't misbehave i you know every you life was okay. good life was yeah, good yeah. you know but you know i often did cuz like i said i was a class clown so she she um she told me this it broke my heart um and we both cried uh and it was really nothing else she could Aww. do cuz the decision was made mm-hmm. so you know she wished me good night and mm-hmm. i went to sleep when i woke up in the morning i didn't want to kiss her I didn't like because every morning my mom would meet me and my sister who who took the school bus to school every day. Um, she would meet us at the door after breakfast and give us a kiss goodbye. Yeah. So this morning I didn't eat breakfast and I was trying to get to that door and out of it before she can come with those lips. I'm not right, kissing right. you because you are ruining our family. Yeah. And you know she didn't go for that. She's like, "What? You gonna leave without giving me a kiss?" And oh. I'm like. Mwah. You know, like this. <laughs> and I leave. And my father, uh, surprisingly, meets me and my sister halfway to the bus stop. And, you know, I'm just pissed. I, I don't know how to tell my sister. My sister's six years old at the time. I'm 10, so I don't want to talk to her about it. I don't want to yeah, get her yeah. upset. You're just coping in your own way. I'm, and I'm walking to this bus stop, and I'm just, I'm broken. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, I hear my father call me and my sister's name. Uh, now, Danielle. And I'm like, oh, you know, wow, dad's here. But then at the same time, I'm like heartbroken because I'm like, does he know he's about to be divorced? Yeah, you yeah, know, like, my God. So it was a lot of so much for a 10 year old. Yeah, to at this time. And, and I'm like, oh, whatever. So I'm just happy to see him. And he walks us all the way to the bus stop and he makes sure we, we get on a bus. Because another thing, my father knew I was a slick kid. And my father knew, like, if I didn't want to go to school. I would just hide behind a tree until the bus, the school bus left and yeah, not come yeah. back home and say, hey, I missed the school bus. But since they were young and smart and everything, <laughs> they, they, they knew what I yeah. was doing. So dad, for whatever reason, wanted to make sure that I was on that bus that day. Right. Um, so wow. then I get on the bus and I'm just sick. I feel something. Something doesn't feel right. I'm just thinking it's the whole divorce conversation. Yeah. And uh, what happened was, um, I found out later, but uh, what happened was he went back to the house and he wanted to like look around, snoop around, uh, and see, you know, if she's dating somebody else, if phone numbers are laying around, or if pictures, because she was supposed to be at work at this time. But ironically, she had a job interview that day with the police department of all people. Oh my God. So she dropped my little brother off at the nursery, and my dad comes into the house thinking she's not coming back for the rest of the day. And he's snooping around, and when he's snooping around, she comes back home. And she's like, our neighbor told, you know, and testified to this. My mom says, what the F are you doing in the house? Yeah. And then she hears a lot of thumping and, you know, running back and forth. But the thing is, we had a cat. And right. the cat would scratch up the furniture. And my mom would literally kick the cat out of the house. Right. So when my neighbor heard all of this she commotion, she cat. assumed it was the cat. Yeah. The cat's back in the house. To re- and she's like, oh, that's Teresa. She crazy. The whole time my mom's being murdered. Oh, my God. Um, so yeah. I want to get to how that happened because I know that your dad eventually yeah. told you yes. how that happened. Um, so you get home. What's happening then? You get home from school. Yeah. So we had this crazy lock on the door that if if the key was inside and it was slightly turned, then the key on the outside couldn't get in. Right. So it was a blessing. Um, the key on the inside was turned. Thank so God. when we got home, I couldn't get in. Yeah. So my grandparents lived about three, four blocks away. And um, so I went to my grandparents and they waited all night. 
uh, for my mom to contact and my mom never goes a whole day without contacting right, you know yeah. If, she's if, a mom. If, yeah exactly <laughs> so they were worried for a couple hours but then they just assume okay maybe she's with Danny maybe they got back together she's not answering the phone you know let's let the night pass and we'll we'll talk to her in the morning yeah well, the morning comes, still don't hear anything from her. So they take me and my sister to school, my brother to the nursery, and then my grandparents go to the house mm-hmm. uh, using my key. They can't get in. Grandpa breaks the window right. uh, in the living room and opens the door from the inside for him and my grandma. They hear my mom's music playing. Right. They're calling her name. They just felt something was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then my grandfather tells my grandma to search downstairs. He's going to go upstairs because that's where the music was coming from yeah. in her bedroom. And he gets halfway up the steps, and he can see my mom's feet hanging from the bathtub. Right. He loses it. My grandma tries to come upstairs. He pushes her downstairs. Go next door. Call the police. You know, they they were, you know, that's their firstborn daughter. Yeah. And they found her. Wow. Oh, so then they thought they knew who killed her? Yeah. Yeah. They just knew. Everybody knew. So then from then, your dad gets put into prison? No. Right. It takes three years for them to, wow. because it's no, my mom was underwater. There's no evidence. Yeah, no evidence. Okay. No forced entry. Uh, my mom was underwater for 24 hours. So all the skin and everything, the right. forensic evidence, oh it was all destroyed. Um, and um, yeah, it was just nothing to really, really tie him to it, except the fact that everybody knew he did it. Yeah. And did you? How did you find this out? Uh, yeah, um, they didn't say right out, you know, your father killed your mother, it is, your mother's not here anymore. Who, your grandparents told yes, you this? Yes, Um, I got dismissed early from school that day and, uh, I Do was you remember th- how you felt? Do you remember what came up? Um, when he told, when he said it? Or, yeah, when you, when you were told that your mom had died. I didn't understand. Right. At first, you know, and, and, I suppose, he said, your mom's gone. And right. I go, where'd she go? Yeah, yeah. And he goes, she's she's going to heaven. Right. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, it, it just was, it di- it wasn't real to me. Yeah. My mom is always here. My mom is always around. So yeah. how, how how can she leave? You know, yeah, and, yeah. I, and me, and I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. didn't make sense. Um, but he was crying and I never saw my grandfather cry before. So I knew it was real. Yeah. And um, I cried. Uh, me and my sister, we just laid on his lap and I cried myself to sleep. Yeah. Um, and then that's when my mom came to me first for the first time postmortem. Uh, and I always tell people who what lose do you mean? People, that's when your mom came to you. I always tell people who lose people uh, close to them, your parents, whatever, whatever. You'll have a dream. Yeah. This person will come to you 100%. and comfort you. Yeah. And my mom came immediately at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, and when I woke up, which I was really still in the dream, I woke up. It's all in the book, but it's how yeah, the book starts yeah, yeah. off. Actually, uh, when I woke up, uh, she's calling me. You know. Oh, come downstairs, come downstairs. And I wake up in the same house that I fell asleep in, my grandparents' house. And I'm like, what? You know, and I'm just so yeah. excited to hear her voice because I went to sleep thinking she was gone. Yeah, and she's And, back. yeah, she's here. Oh, my God. Didn't know if I should tell her that people were saying she's dead. You know, this yeah, is crazy. Yeah. You know, and we just played, <laughs> played all night. I mean, all day. And then it got dark in the mm-hmm. room. And I couldn't see her. And that's when realization started to happen this is really real she's right. really not here yeah and she started telling me to be strong and you know went through this whole like basically preparing me for life without yeah. her god that's unbelievable yeah it's so weird that you say that because i actually never would share this but i've had similar experiences about my dad and my younger brother has as well who was three and 
didn't remember. Um, my younger brother always comes up in all my podcasts. <laughs> so for some, I've got four other siblings and they just don't get a look in. Um, <laughs> but so you're... So you found out what happened with then your dad. So he was already estranged from your household. Mm-hmm. Your mother had just been killed. Mm-hmm. You're now with your grandparents. Mm-hmm. Where's your dad? So when they find, when the uh, police uh, come to take my mother's body out of the house, my dad pops up. Right. And he's like, what's going on here? This this is my house. Right, okay. And as he's talking to the police, they can see scratches all over his neck, fresh scratches. Wow, okay. So they go, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they look at the scratches and they go, okay, come down. You know, we want to take you to the uh, station for some questions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they questioned him and they still had to release him. They didn't have anything. Evidence. You got some scratches on your neck. He told them that he got the scratches slap boxing uh, somebody across the street. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on, um, we find out when he once he was released, he called that person immediately. Hey, listen, if the cops ask you, you know, anything about me, tell them, you know, me and you were slap boxing and you, you know, scratch me up, whatever, yeah. whatever. So he was free it, living in the same neighborhood as me and my grandparents um, for three years. And what was your relationship to him then? Oh, no, we, we had no relationship. Really? All. No relationship at And all. what was that like for you? Because he was still your dad. Yeah. Um, did you believe that he had killed your mum? Did I didn't you? want to. I, I wanted to believe. I, I, I just figured any second now they're going to find out that it's a serial murderer going around in the neighborhood and killing women. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I thought and exhausted as a 10-year-old every possibility that it could be and that it's not my father. Yeah. Um, but the more the detective started to interview me. Yeah. And over, the, I, over the course of three years. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. so you're 13 by the well, end. Well, it, it stopped after a while. I think after a year, they uh, they basically uh, closed the case unsolved. Yeah. Um, and then after that, uh, because I couldn't give them the evidence that they needed. Right. Um, There's certain things I couldn't remember because of post-traumatic stress. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, um, Were you trying to protect your dad at any point as well? Or? I don't think so. No, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. But my grandparents put us in therapy immediately. Right. Um, God, that's smart of them. After it happened. Considering that generation as well. Yeah. Where therapy is just like not a thing. And another thing, yeah. in black families, therapy it's is... It's just even is, more it, not it, a thing. Yeah, it, it don't happen. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you be like in a, in, a, in a white family growing up, you would hear, you know, oh, he's got issues, he's got problems, we got to take him to counseling. Yeah, yeah. Americans and, love their <laughs> therapy. In <laughs> black families, it's like, something wrong with that boy. Boy, you better get your act together. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you, it's your responsibility to fix yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Get um, a grip. Yeah, exactly. But knowing that something tr- this traumatic happened, my grandparents put the three of us in therapy immediately of course my brother and sister couldn't really express themselves yeah so they would just kind of sit there yeah um but But, me yeah I started talking and then over the years of this therapy things started to come out doesn't that show how incredible therapy is the fact that you now are in the position that you are now Mm -hmm. which I don't know how good that sentence was Mm english-wise but (laughs) (laughs) let me me try and say that again but when where you are now Mm -hmm. Because you've been able to express how you felt aged 10 onwards. I mean, it just is a testimony to basically what conversation and speaking up and speaking out can do. That's just amazing. Even now, I feel like uh, 
I'll be going through a little emotional uh, problems or issues or whatever, whatever, and I'll sit in the house or I'll sit by myself and just you, you hear those voices in your head over yeah. and over. Until you say things out loud, Good. they just stay trapped and tormenting you. Oh, God, um, yeah. And with all the years, I'm 44 years old now, and, you know, this happened at 10, and I've been in therapy in and out, you know, since then. You know, I might go a couple of years without therapy, but, you know, yeah, I yeah. always try to talk to a therapist at some point. And I still forget that when I'm holding it in, yeah, you know, it just it's just gonna you know burn and 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 cause more pain. You know? Yeah, 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 totally. Gotta let it out. Gotta let it out. Gotta oh my talk God. about it. So important. So there's so much more to cover. So I'm gonna do a little leap. Okay, go. Cool. So at this point, you hadn't seen your dad for um, three years. Yeah. Not even actually, on the street. Actually, ran into him one time. Uh, he ran a stop sign. We were in a car with my grandmother. And a car just ran a stop sign and almost hit us. Right. And we all like, you know, yeah, jumped towards the dashboard like, boof. And then when we look up. Oh my up, God, and it was him. He's in the passenger seat. No he way. wasn't driving. He was in the passenger seat. And when we look up, you just see, because we all caught eye contact at the same time. He saw us the same time we saw him. And you just see him telling the person driving, go, 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 go. Really? It was the craziest thing ever. Can I quickly ask, what was the reason you weren't allowed to see? What what was what were you told? Because suddenly your dad's been in your life. Your mother's mm-hmm. just got killed. You're living with your grandparents. You probably don't live too far away from wherever and your dad is. three blocks away. Yeah. yeah. And so what were you told? Like, you can't see dad now. What happened there? Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't remember exactly what was said, but I, I don't think anything had to be said. Right. Because when the detectives were questioning you me, it was all me. about my father. Right. Um, and he's the prime suspect. So yeah. after, after like, I think a month or two, it set in with me that he definitely did it. Right. Uh, even though he's not in jail for it, he definitely did it. Uh, and then my grandparents adopted us. Right. Okay. So, um, because his parents were trying to get custody and visitation rights and things of that nature. And we knew if we went to see his parents, we would see him. Right. And did you want to see him? Absolutely not. I was petrified. Really? Okay. Petrified. So you were scared of, him, yeah. scared of him? He was a monster in my eyes at this wow. point. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you'd gone from hero to monster. Exactly. Gosh, that must have been so dramatic. dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So leap mm-hmm. into your young adulthood, mm-hmm. your late teens. You started getting into selling marijuana. Well, my grandmother was a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, right. And so she raised us Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. And so I love the religion mm-hmm. uh, because it taught me that if I live a Christian-like life, uh, I'll see my mother again in the resurrection. Okay. And the resurrection is coming any day now. Yeah. Jesus is coming back with 144,000 angels, <laughs> and he's going to destroy Satan in this world, and we're going to be living in the paradise earth, and my yeah. mom's going to be resurrected. So I literally was watching the clock. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe tomorrow? Like maybe, most yeah, Jehovah's res- re- Revelation, the book of Revelation says it's going to happen any second now, and it gives you all the signs. And it's like, wait, that's happening right now. Yeah, Bet. yeah, yeah. Mom's coming back next week. Okay. So yeah. I love the religion. I was really uh, dedicated to it. Are you it. still Jehovah's Witness? No, no. I'm not religious yeah. at all yeah. anymore. Um, but it was just so many questions that couldn't be answered. Uh, so I started to doubt things. And the same Christian foundation that my grandmother gave me, I'm seeing things like they say that, you know, um, the dead are conscious of nothing. So your mom isn't going to come back and communicate with you. But my mom had come back and communicate with me already. several times. You already knew that. So yeah. I'm doubting things in a religion. And um, by the time, so I'm making excuses for things that I want to do in life, right? you know? So, uh, but I still, like I said, for the most part, I was a good kid aside from the fact that I was a class clown and got suspended from school a lot because of this. Yeah. And then uh, when I was 18, uh, I went to a New Year's Eve party and the guys that were bringing me home were smoking weed and I was already a little tipsy. So I smoked 
And I was like, man, this is dope because it brought back all these nostalgic feelings of my childhood. I didn't know at the time, but mom and dad both smoked weed. Right. So oh when I God, smoked yeah. for the first time, I was like, yeah, what made me think about mom and Gave dad? Gave you a cozy, warm feeling. Oh my God, I was feeling great. Yeah. And I was already like a hustler. I always had all these businesses, landscaping business since I was 13, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I was a really good salesman. And I was like, yo, I could sell this to my friends. Yeah. And bam. <laughs> If I, you know, I'm least smoking for free. 40K a week? That was not the plan. I never thought in a million years. You must be a good hustler. I, I'm a really good hustler. <laughs> really good that's, hustler. Where, that's how come you're where you are now. Yeah. So you get caught. You get taken into... Well, I don't get caught. Uh, okay. Some so, kids get caught. Right, 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 right. And they lead to you. Yeah, a 14-man indictment. So they got 14 people saying, he did it, he did it, he did it. Right, okay. And they're all white kids, too. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I'm this black kid. Yep. And so they and you're get... you what, 18? Oh no! When when they finally uh, when I was arrested, I was twenty two. Okay. I started when I was nineteen. Okay, right. So I had a three year so run. A good run. Yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, I had a restaurant. I had a, a lounge. I had real estate. Yeah, I had yeah. Fancy cars. Oh my pretty girlfriend. Living your best life. Yo, living my best life. <laughs> no, but it, but living I wasn't the American happy. dream. I, honestly, deep down, like I, it, was, it was these points where I had all of this money, and it's like, what am I do with it? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I could. I wasn't, you know, really smart enough and savvy enough to like build a foundation for myself with it yeah, Plus yeah. It was of course illegal. you're so young yeah. like what are you supposed to know about saving money or so I was using like, it i wasn't i wasn't the happiest yeah because i thought money would make me happy and, and then i had all of this money mm. and i was still sad mm. so i was like what's up yeah 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 mm. for sure but not I, I think i was happy more than i was sad though. yeah yeah but like <laughs> yeah i'm sure you're having a pretty good time uh, yeah i can't complain but it's no no but i mean that would make total sense because you're trying to fill a void and mm-hmm. that void being your mother and your father exactly double whammy didn't know didn't know i was like you know yeah. go ahead so we sorry i'm powering through this only because no, james go, i know go, is going to come go. back any minute but you then get taken into prison mm-hmm. so you get charged a really large amount of years considering mm-hmm. Again, first offense. There. But mm. your first offense, selling weed, four years. Yeah, the maximum of the sentencing guidelines. Right. Wow. And why? Why do you think they they charged you so high? Um, was it the amount you were making a week? Yeah, I think it was that. I yeah. think it was the fact that the fourteen people that were caught before me, they all cooperated. Yeah. And I refused to. Okay. Right. Um, and they always try and punish that, don't they? Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, you you could throw in the fact that I was the lead defendant and I was black and everybody else was white. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it might have a little something Yeah, yeah, to exactly. Do, I don't know. <laughs> we don't even need to say that. <laughs> so you go into prison. Uh-huh. You get put into solitary confinement? Yes, because with the 14 snitches, every prison that they put me out, 14 informants, we say snitches sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, with the 14 informants, <laughs> um, every every prison that they put me in, I would have an informant in this prison. So they got to protect the informant. Oops, uh-huh. we messed up. Let's protect the informant. Put this guy in solitary confinement until we can ship him to another prison. I see. Uh, last time they put me in a hole, they beat me up really bad, the guards. And do you think that was a racist? Um... No, uh, it was it was just protocol for this prison. Oh, God. The, the, the hole was protocol. called. Yeah, the hole was called terror. Dome, wow. and I had learned before I even got to the prison that you know if you ever go to the hole they're gonna they're gonna kick your ass and that literally is protocol that's so messed up mm-hmm. uh, um, so yeah they beat the hell out of me um, my mom comes to me again I knew we gotta dream. speed through it oh no God. I was wide awake this time oh wow yeah okay. um, and I can only hear her voice because it was dark and in the hole do you remember what she said she told me a lot of things but the main thing she told me that confused the hell out of me was to forgive wow she told me to forgive. Wow. And I'm like, forgive who? What do you mean? You know? And. Right. So take us there. 
Right. So then 35, 40 days later, I get out of the hole. Um, and I'm sick as a dog, so they send me to the infirmary. And as I'm walking in, there's a gate, you know, where that you stand for clearance. And as I'm walking in, I'm standing at that gate. It's a guy standing on the other side of the gate trying to come out. Mm-hmm. And when I see him, I recognize this guy immediately. He has no idea who I am. So when we come face to face, he's looking like, what the, what are you looking at? And I'm like, it's me. I'm your son. You're my father. And he dropped to his knees immediately. He starts crying and he's begging me to speak to him. And I'm frozen with emotion, a clusterfuck of emotion. Like, I'm like, I hate this guy. You know, he killed my mom. I always said I would kill him if I ever saw him, but I'm scared of him. Yeah. I miss him. I love him. I want to hug him. If I know if I hug him, you know, I'm disloyal to my mom and my grandparents and my brother and sister. And like, so it's just, I couldn't move. I was frozen. And then the guards see all of this happen and they break us up. Go your way, go your way. Because you've got different surnames. That's why I was adopted. Because you were adopted. So you were Davis and he was Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise they obviously wouldn't put I used to be Williams. You used to be Williams, exactly. Yeah. But my grandparents adopted me. So I took their name, my mom's maiden name. Oh my God. So your dad's on the floor. He's, He's crying, crying. Yeah. kissing your feet, kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And do you remember what he said to you? At that moment, he just kept begging me to talk to him. Please, I want to talk to you. Please, I want to talk to you. And I'm just frozen. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying anything. I'm literally frozen. Yeah. And then um, the guard separates us. He goes his way. I go my way. I go into the infirmary, and the nurse says, What's wrong? Now, before I went to this infirmary, I was sick as a dog. My stomach, you know, it felt like I had something inside my stomach kicking and punching me. Right. Like, that's the kind of pains that I was having. I go in the infirmary, and she goes, what's wrong with you? And I go, nothing. I was completely fine. Yeah. I didn't, I had no pain, nothing. You just numb. It was divine intervention. I be- really believe that, you know, all of that happened for a reason, me to feel this sick. Yeah. And then as soon as, the, it, it just was something to take me to that infirmary. Yeah, yeah, to take you to that place. So, yeah, he begged for weeks for us to, you know, talk. Yeah. Please, I want to talk to you. Send him messages, writing letters, everything. And I'm like, suck my, you know, get out of my face. I don't want to speak to you. Yeah. Then the chaplain calls me down to the church. I think it's a miracle. I'm thinking I'm about to get out. You know, yeah. God is here to save me. Yeah. Why else would the chaplain call me? Yeah. And when I get in the chaplain, um, when I go to the chaplain, uh, he's not there. It's just my father. And uh, my father is really powerful. I was about to say, he must yeah. have had a quite a powerful yeah. presence. Then. And at that point, he had been there for like 15 years. So Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's when we had this conversation. And what was the sort of summary of that conversation? He wanted to reminisce, and I wanted to know, how'd you do it? Yep. Why'd you do it? How do you feel about it? Yep. I had all the what, when, why, how questions set up, and... We were both very emotional at the time, and he, you know, made sure that I can handle it. Yeah. And I said, of course, I don't want to hear another word out of your mouth until you tell me these things. And he told me everything. He told me exactly how he killed my mother. And how did he kill her? Um, he saw her. Uh, she was naked, and because um, he was hiding when she came in the house. Right. Uh, and then she went to get in the bathtub, and he pops out, and she goes, "What the fuck are you doing in the house?" And then they start to, he, she starts to hit him, like, get the fuck out of my house, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then um, he kind of grabbed her from the back, like, in a headlock. Yeah. With his whole, like, arm, his forearm around her neck and, you know, bicep around her, at the back of her neck. And he's squeezing her so she can stop fighting. Wow. And from the back, she's reaching and she's scratching. And that's why the police saw the scratches on his neck. Oh, God, yeah. And um, he told me after about a minute or two, she just stopped. Breathing. 
she just stopped fighting. And he thought she had calmed down and he let go and then she just dropped to the floor. She has a full tub of bath bath water there. So, so he didn't mean to kill her? No, not, not really. Right. But my evidence of how he matched our keys together, how he met me halfway to the bus stop, all of these things yeah. gave the premeditation. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. There seems to be some sort of... But when I talked to him, it's just he wanted to see if he can get in the house still. Right. If he can snoop around still. Right. Uh, and walking me to the bus stop was, yeah, to make sure that I was on the bus so he can go in the house. Yeah. Um, so like I said, without having this conversation, yeah, it all appears premeditated. But yeah. it was it was one of, it was just like all their other fights. Yeah, yeah. It just went too far. And where did your relationship then go from there? Um, I walked away after he finished on the story. We were both face full of tears and he said, I love you. And I couldn't, I, I didn't think about it. I didn't, I couldn't stop it. And I just said, I love you too. And then for two months, we spent every single day together. Wow. And it was, it was magical. <laughs> Although it was in prison, it was magical. He gave, he gave me so much closure that I didn't even know I needed. You know, it's like when he left my life, I was good. You know, I got a monster out of my life, but I didn't know that I really still had to face and deal with those demons. Yep. And you've described to me that meeting your father, if I may say, if I make this wasn't you, I'm not quoting you right now, but you said sort of complete you. Am I maybe um, on the right lines there? Yeah, yeah it just it, like um, I I don't like to use the word complete, no, but no, it just exactly. gave me it gave it gave me closure. Yeah, you know, it gave me so much. Well, I think what you mean when you were saying that is like um, he told me so many things about myself. Yes. You know, your identity. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw myself in him. Yeah, like this, I never had a man, and you know, after he left my life, I never had like even my grandfather. I loved him so much, but you know, I couldn't really identify with him because right. he was my grandfather yeah. and he's my uncle's father, not my father. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I knew I wasn't like him. I didn't look as good as him, and you know, all yeah, of these yeah. things. But I look like my dad. Yeah. You know, and I act like my dad. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, gr this is where I come from. Yeah, yeah. You know, that makes total sense, and actually. Two things. One thing is, actually, I'm going to ask them separately. Why did you ever want? Did you ever worry since then, or even before then? Because your dad was a violent man mm -hmm. for his reasons, which you later know find out. But he was a violent man in many ways with mm -hmm. your mother. Did you worry because you looked like him and because you're his son that you could be this person too? Absolutely, I didn't worry. Um, because no matter what we did in life, my dad was a smart guy too. He finished school. My mom didn't finish school. Uh, she was really smart, but she didn't finish school because of him. Um, uh, and my grandparents would always tell us every time we did something bad or whatever, you don't have to be like your father, you know, like you don't have to. So when I got in trouble with the law, that was the scariest moment because it's like, fuck, yeah. I'm like my dad. Yeah. I'm going to jail. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, in my household, you could never hit a woman. Like if me and my sister argued, mm -hmm. I couldn't hit her. No. You know, so it was so like. you learned that. Yeah, learned these things that would keep me not like him for yeah. a long time. And you didn't want to be like him at, probably at that point. I, I was convinced that I wouldn't. That, that's another reason my grandparents asked us before we changed our name. Like, we're adopting you, but do you like me to change your name? Yeah, I, I don't want to have any association with this guy. Wow. And I'm nothing like him. Gosh, yeah. But then when I saw these beautiful things of him, when I met him in prison, yeah. it's like, wait, I am like you. Yeah. You know? And by beautiful, what do you mean? What things? 
Um, he was, you know, he'd been in jail now for 15 years, so he changed his life, turned it all over to God. He was like chairman of so many organizations and oh, things yeah. of that nature. He put, his, he put his massively powerful energy into something positive. And that's which, why he was able to which get the could... chaplain and bring me down and yeah, all that stuff, because yeah, yeah. people respected him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, he was just a monster, a, 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 a you know, troublemaking monster in my eyes after he killed my mother. Of course. Uh, I thought about it and I heard all the stories about him being in jail all these times yeah. and this, that, and the other. Day. And then I'm talking to this guy that's not, you know, he at that point he had almost spent as much time in jail as he had on the streets. Yeah. So he was a completely different person. I feel like people a lot who have a lot of energy, like even you saying you were the class clown, that's just someone with a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And often that can go the wrong direction if it's not. If, if there's not someone to guide you. Exactly. Or, and, and he obviously, as you say, found God or faith or good people around him in prison who he could then like channel that huge force of energy that he obviously is into something positive for him exactly. and himself. So the other question I wanted to ask, because we don't have too long, which is so sad, is why do you think that it is? Obviously, you're a guy, so mm -hmm. it's different. But even for girls, like why do you think, but I do think it's stronger for boys and their fathers. Why do you think it is that the father seems to hold that Latin, stronger in terms of sort of identity in in this podcast I found so many people who had this identity crisis or this lack of inner peace with themselves to do with who they are a lot of it is to do with this idea around who their father is do you think that's has that come into your mind since finding as you say that closure um, or has that just been a familiarity moment to so wait, let me just make sure I understand the yeah, question. Yeah, sorry, it's good. really confusing. All right, so the question is exactly what about my father? Uh, why do about, I identify with him more? Or what or? about fathers? Do you think is is why do you think the whole why do you think identity is so crucial, so crucially linked to, to fathers? Father. I, well, I think they they represent foundation. They represent stability. You know, moms represent love and comfort mm -hmm. and things like that. But the, the father is that foundation. Mm. Uh, and when that's broken, you know, it leads to all different kinds of emotional drama and trauma and things yeah. of this nature. And instability. And instability. And mine was broken completely in half. Yeah. Because not only did he leave my life, he took my mom too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and knowing, like I said later, that I was so much like him... You know, and he represented all of this foundation, and I wanted to deny that I was anything like him, mm. or that he meant anything to me in my life. Mm. So it, it was kind of like that's where I was hurting myself. Totally. Um, no matter how painful anything it is that we're going through, or our parents, or anything, like we still have to face it. Totally. Because otherwise, we're just putting a bandaid on it, and if that bandaid comes off, then that wound is still there. It's always going to be there. Why not? You know, actually put in the work like we were speaking earlier about therapy exactly. and things of this nature to actually heal yeah 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 you gotta you might not know exactly what your problem is but you know that you know it's something missing in my life right now yeah you can feel it you feel it and you find that in the way that you react to stuff in the way that that you put your energy you can see it it's difficult to see but if you could take a step back i think it's so important to then and that's obviously what your father had in prison he had that step back because he had all that time yeah there's so much time. so much time so now, what's your relationship with your father? Because obviously, he's still in prison. Yeah, yeah. For the rest of his life. Um, so yeah, after I got out of prison, uh, I went to visit him several times. I brought my brother and sister to visit him. Mm. I wanted them to let go of this pain oh, as wow. well. Yeah. Um, it worked for my sister, uh, but my youngest brother, uh, he was three at the time. I'm seven years older than him. 
And for him, it's a resentment that he just won't let go because um, he feels like like any stories that he hears about my mom. He was uh, robbed of. Yeah, yeah, he was robbed. He he, he hears stories from everybody. But it's like, I didn't know this woman. Yeah. And it's because of him. Mm -hmm. So if my dad comes up in any conversations or anything, my brother, he he will refer to him as your dad. You know, well, you know, your dad said this and your dad that. He's, you know. So he's totally detached from him. Totally detached. Um. I go through moments, mm. you know, like I can be friends with him and write letters and talk to him on the phone for a couple months straight. And then I won't talk to him for a couple years. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, sometimes I just feel like uh, you're getting a little too comfortable. You know, yeah. I, I kind of feel Remember like, what you, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. forget what you did, dude. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's back and forth right now. I haven't talked to him in years. Uh, right. Actually, he just emailed me a couple months ago. Just asked how I was doing because I emailed him for some help with the book. Yeah. Um, I needed some things from him, and he didn't respond. Okay. So now he just recently responded, like, oh, is he so... okay with the book? Um, he's always known it was going to come out. Yeah. Um, so I think he is. He like when he came back in my life, it was like anything I can do to support you, anything yeah, I can yeah, do to yeah. support you, whatever. Okay. Wow. Well, you he's know, trying to his hardest to be a father finally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I've got I've got two more questions. Okay. But the first is because this podcast is obviously talking about fatherlessness and success. Mm-hmm. You've now come out of prison. You've, as we were saying in the earlier introduction, end fit life and now obviously dream awake, your soon to be wonderful book mm-hmm. and all these things and becoming a personal trainer or a fitness trainer. Do you think... I like guru better. I think yeah, a guru. guru I love yeah, that. Okay, You're cool. good. Yeah. yeah stay with that guru. Everyone needs a guru. <laughs> Can you be my guru? <laughs> yeah, I'll be a guru. Let's go. <laughs> Do you think there's a link there between your fatherlessness, but also, of course, your motherlessness and and your now success? Yeah, it all comes down to realize that um, I was really hard on myself all my life. Mm. Um, and I've realized once I, so I move around a lot, I live all over the world. And um, these give these opportunities give give me the chance to really get to t- in touch with myself again. Yeah. Um, so then I kind of went through this like romance and love relationship with myself yeah uh where i really had to so important yeah yo honestly it's the biggest uh relationship that i've ever had in my life is with myself mm. and I, it, it uh, kind of started uh, long story but it all comes back to self-love yeah um so when it came to my fitness company uh, i was living in turkey at the time uh, I was trying to write this book. I started writing it in Australia, then I moved to Amsterdam, and then I lived in Turkey. So, like five years later, I didn't have any money. I was exercising all the time because yep. I learned some stuff in prison. Yeah, yeah. And people were like, "Yo, what you do is so inspiring, and your story is so inspiring. Why don't you help other people?" So, yeah. without me really having all the therapy and the knowledge that I have now, uh, I figured the first way I can help people is, you know, fitness-wise. Yeah. Um. So I created this. Um, this fitness brand in fit life. And then I started to do retreats and I started to bring in other healers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it all, all came from that, tra- all your trauma, all my trauma that you had, that you were, well, I feel like we're always working through our trauma anyway, but you found a huge amount of resolution. Yes. And I saw what worked for me and I figured this might work for other people. Yeah. So that's when in fit life came and now we're starting my organization, um, uh, for so I can be more of a voice for children and women mm-hmm. um, that are going through the same thing. Wow, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it just came from... Women of domestic ab- abuse. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. I, it just came from the desire, like my, my grandmother, like she said, she would always tell me, you know, you got to talk about it, you got to talk about it, and your story helps others. She sounds so wise. Oh, she is the dopest. So wise. She is the dopest. Right, I have 
one more very quick, two more very quick questions. Right, cool. The first being, what is now your relationship with your mother? Um, uh, I'm so connected to her. I know she's my guardian angel. So I now know you've yeah, forgiven your dad. Has that changed anything? Did you, do you still feel the guilt you do or did when you first met your dad in prison? Um, no, no. Mm-hmm. I know mom did all of that. I know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. she prepped me for it yeah. by telling me to forgive. Um, and she made sure that we were in the same. I, I really believe my mom orchestrates everything that happens in my life. That's why she said forgiveness. Yes. Yeah, gosh. So I, I, um, my mom... Um, I wish we had more time to talk about sort of the spirituality faith side. Yeah, oh, oh my God. Yeah, because that's... I, that's I could literally go... For, I feel like that's a whole other podcast episode with us. <laughs> totally. I'm so glad we don't have more time. But, I know. Yeah. Another one. We'll do another one. All right, cool. So I ask, I ask one, I ask the same question to everyone. So you may or may not have heard it on another episode mm-hmm. um, to always finalize the podcast episode. But if your father was listening to this episode right now, what do you want to say to him? Um, I would reiterate that I forgive you. Um, and I forgive you for you and me. Because, you know, letting that pain and anger and all, everything that I held on for so long, it was, it was stunting my growth. Um, but at the same time, I forgive you because I understand you now more. Um, I have empathy. I have love for you. Um, and I wish him the very best. And I hope that his, his spirit and his heart and his mind is just as healthy as it was when I saw him. Mm. Because that's the thing. Like, we can get to this point of wellness, but we can still get sick again, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I, I just would like my father to know that I appreciate him. Um, I hold no resentment and hate. Um, I love him. And um, I'm always here for you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Nellie Davis. It was such a pleasure. I wish we had another whole hour. <laughs> we will again. We'll do it again. Yeah. When my TV show comes out, then we'll yeah, do it Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to my episode with Nellie Davis. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, that man was unbelievable. Oh my God. I'm sort of still in in shock. That man is a freaking fountain of inspiration and I'm genuinely in shock. I'm almost shaking. You must go and get his book, Dream Awake, if you enjoyed his podcast, which you probably did. Thank you so much for listening as ever. And um, wow, that's all I can say. Wow. As always, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us via our website, www.thedaddyissuespodcast.com. A special thanks goes out to Warren at Walkie Productions, who did all my sound. And Aaron and Ben at Interface, who did my website and graphic design. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify to stay tuned with new episodes. And, of course, spread the Daddy Issues message. Have a lovely rest of your day and thank you once again for listening.